Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Yuko Sato. She is with Iowa State University in the Poultry Extension and Diagnostics Department. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Now, when most people think of avian flu, they think of it being transmitted through wild birds, geese, gulls, and so forth. You've been looking in the feed. How come? Yes, so you're absolutely right. The primary source of it at the beginning would be waterfowl and you know those migratory birds in the beginning, but we're looking at how it could be transmitted into commercial poultry. Like, what's the step B into how it goes from A to B? So how would it get into feed in the first place? Well, we're trying to look for what uh, commercial poultry would be exposed in a large amount. So we're looking at like the kind of basic uh, you know, breakdown of things is like flaws is what we use in the industry, which is feed, uh, litter or light, air, water, or some kind of sanitation. So being the simple mind I am, I was like, let's go with the F, which is the feed. So that's what we looked at first. I'm sort of reminded, uh, you know, there's a swine disease, you're from Iowa, so yes. uh, porcine epidemic diarrhea or PED virus uh, hit the U.S. back in 2013, spread like wildfire, but they figured out that it most likely came in through feed ingredients. Yes, and that's exactly uh, where it came from, is part of my collaborators for the research have done that experiment at mm -hmm. Iowa State University looking at PED and the feed and its role of transmission. So they kind of replicated the study and just changed the virus from PED to avian influenza. So to me, it's like, why do we reinvent the wheel? So let's just go with what we're good at. Are there any known outbreaks of avian influenza that were traced directly to the feed? So we looked at some of the previous incidences, but at that beginning time, we didn't have the higher molecular technology available. So there may be some implications, but it's probably easier since the, the flu virus itself is not very stable. Um, most of the other bacterial pathogens like salmonella are more likely the culprits for something like with a feed transmission. So tell me about your research. What exactly are you doing? Because we're not in the middle of an outbreak right now. Yes. Um, what, what do you have to sample? So when we started this project was actually at the end or the tail end of the outbreak. So we were actually collecting samples from places who broke with uh, avian influenza. We collected those samples and figured out, you know, how much contamination is there in the barns or in the feed bins that were associated with the outbreak farms. And then the second step of that was like, okay, well, can feed be a media to transmit the virus? So we actually did a limit of detection study and also a stability study to see how stable is the virus in a feed, which is mostly dry. And are you just looking at feed in general or are you zeroing in on like soybean meal? I know that they found a correlation between PED and soybean meal, for example. Uh, are there certain feed ingredients that you're targeting? Well, um, mine is kind of a shotgun approach. So we did the complete um, mash feed for layer. So we, uh, most of my research was focused on layer farms. So we mm -hmm. did the complete layer mash, but we also did components of the feed. So if they went through, like, let's say, for example, a, you know, a heat treatment step before they give it to the poultry, mm -hmm. or if they just looked at raw ingredients, um, such as like soybean in general, the raw ingredients, or maybe because the source is waterfowl, are the feed bins or the feed mills getting contaminated by droppings of the waterfowl that could potentially contaminate the feed 
and how long is that going to persist in the feed to be detectable by diagnostics? So, I mean, we always talk about biosecurity on the farm, biosecurity at the feed mill mm -hmm. is going to become just as important. Absolutely. And I think that's all part of the whole story is like we all have to be vigilant. And, you know, the producers these days are really, really up to speed with biosecurity. And we just have to continue to reinforce ourselves. Like, let's just remind ourselves about the, uh, you know, the awful incident back in 2015. So, mm -hmm. again, we can't have one weak link. We just have to persist together. Now, are there treatments for the feed that might wipe out some of these organisms? Uh, you know, something that you could do on a uh, preventive basis? So there are a couple um, things out there. The, the biggest thing is, you know, this, my research kind of goes in tandem with what the USDA published as mm -hmm. far as their research goes. There's not much um, in the feed that makes it persist, the virus doesn't persist very well and it's not very stable in the feed. So moisture levels, um, high or low temperatures, depending on that kind of the cold chain of the virus, um, makes it more stable. So if there's kind of any kind of heat treatment, um, some people will use other products to reduce other enteric pathogens like salmonella. So like a formaldehyde treatment, that kind of stuff will also inactivate the virus as well. So there are certain products out there, but I don't think there's anything that's like a silver bullet to the whole problem. Well, and it's another, another expense as well. Sure, sure, absolutely. And not everybody likes dealing with things like formaldehyde. Either, <laughs> yes. Right? Okay. So what's the next step in your work? Well, my next step is, well, kind of, I'm the kind of the next step because I kind of, you know, acknowledged what USDA had done and it's like, yes, this kind of makes sense. I guess the second step or the second portion of the question is, okay, we've established that the feed doesn't really survive very well um, or the virus doesn't survive very well in the feed, but is it actually a viable virus or not? So a real, you know, like a virus uh, stability assay to figure out, you know, whether or not it's a live virus or if we're just... Uh, getting fragments of the virus that we're detecting through our techniques will be the next step. So, in summary, I mean, it, it appears that the primary route of transmission then would still be from other birds, not through the feed, is that? I think the initial insult will be probably from the waterfowl, as you mentioned, but I think it's mostly human traffic, um, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Or so, in big umbrella terms, biosecurity would be where you know, we, you know, we have some lapse there in some way, of shape, or form, and that's where the virus is coming into the commercial poultry. Fascinating. So it seems like you're covering all the bases. <laughs> Try my best. Excellent. We've been talking to Yuko Sato. She is a veterinarian at Iowa State University. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you.